Hey, hi. We're lining you up. Okay, great. <laughs> well, very good. Hey, do, we're with Dr. William. And, um, I've got to make sure I have your last name right. Stixrude? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Dr. William Stixrude, the author of Talking, well, it's What Do You Say? How to Talk with Kids to Build Motivation, Stress Tolerance, and a Happy Home. And you wrote that along with Ned Johnson. Mm -hmm. um, this is your second book, correct? Yeah. Self-Driven yeah. Child, number one. Right. Um, I can't think of anybody that doesn't want to improve the communication between themselves and their children. Um, let me just start with this, you know, because they gave you a, a, some points to talk about, which I'm sure you're probably tired of talking about. But <laughs> nah. let's let's go off with it. The importance of effective communication. And it's all about the delivery of information. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, <clears throat> in terms of the importance of communication, I mean, I, I think that um, we, we wrote a, our first book was about how important it is for young people to have a sense of autonomy or, or sense of control or agency over their own life. I mean, it's, it's, it's hugely beneficial for every aspect of life. And when we wrote a book, we, we decided to write a book about communicating with kids. And we, th we thought really the, the fundamental purpose of communication is to build relationships, it's connection. And so we, we focused on, we started doing research on this and, and really discovered that a close connection with your parents, a close trusting relationship with parents is about as close to a silver bullet as you can get for protecting kids and teenagers from emotional problems. And we figured that this must be a really big deal. And, and what, what are the keys to developing that closeness? And it turns out that two of the really important keys are empathy and validation. It expressing empathy to kids and validating their feelings. So we focused on how do you communicate in a way that, that accomplishes those goals. I, I like this part, how to change our energy in the way we talk to children. Change your energy. In other words, come down off your high horse or, or what do we need, mean by that? So a couple of things. In, 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 that, in that context, I think mainly... Uh, oftentimes we find ourselves trying to force our, our kids to, to, to do things. And, and, and we tell them the first time and, and, and uh, they don't respond. So we tell them the second time somewhat louder until we're yelling at them. Yelling at them. Parents say, I've told them a million times. It, it's, just, it's just not a very effective communication. So what we recommend is take, take force off the table. Change, if it feels like you're trying to force your kid, it's really, it's, this is counterintuitive. But it's really empowering to say, Obviously, I couldn't make you do this. I mean, all you'd have to do is flop to the floor, start screaming, or I, I couldn't make you do this. And, like, and so once we recognize you really can't make a kid do something against her, his or her will, that we, we, we have to figure out another way to communicate, another way to encourage kids to go along with this. Um, and so we suggest taking force off the table and letting kids know, I'm not, I'm not going to try to force you. And the no. second thing, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Carry on, please. The, the, the second thing is th that we, um, we, we suggest that we play the role of a consultant with, with our kids so, so that as they get older, more as a consultant to them to help, help them figure out what kind of life they want, who they want to be, how to create their life that they want, as opposed to their boss or their manager or somebody who's responsible for them doing well or, or kind of for learning or doing their schoolwork. And I think when we have a clear sense of what, what, what our responsibility is and what there is, we communicate differently. So for example, instead of just telling kids what to do, instead of just laying advice off uh, on them, to say, now, I've got an idea about that. You wanna hear it? Or I'm wondering what would happen if you did it this way. 
were, you know, for whatever it's worth, I, I was thinking maybe where, where if, if we take, we, re, we reduce that, that sense that we're trying to change kids. We're trying to, we're trying to make them do things because when we, when we learn how to do that, when we change the energy in that way, Steve, then we really, I, open, it's, it's just, uh, we, we can really influence kids beautifully. I, I was looking online to get a little background and uh, came across, I think a podcast that you had done with Ned and <clears throat> you related the story of talking to an 11 year old about, so you gave him these multiple choices and he comes back with, can we play the library game? And you go, yeah, what's that? And he goes, put his finger to his lips and goes, shh. <laughs> that, yeah. was, that was so funny because it was like, I could just, we could all, I, I think anyone who's been in a parent can, can just suddenly melt when that happens. It's just like, oh, okay. Um, one, one of the things I noticed um, in, in, the, in the bio, of course, they provide, and we're talking with yeah. uh, Dr. William Stixrud, the co-author of uh, What Do You Say? How to Talk with Kids. And you, you um, lecture widely on effects of stress, sleep deprivation, and technology overload on the brain. And I, I, I yeah. want to go to that last one because yeah. technology overload, I think we all know what that means, but what do you, how, do you, how do you assess that? So one of the, the kind of pluses and minuses of, of this pandemic life is thank God that we have this technology that allows for kids, allows them to, to, to actually get some education and, and stay connected with their, with, with, with their friends. On the other hand, I mean, I, I think the research on, on, on being, being in front of a screen all day is, is, not, is not particularly healthy. And there's some research suggests, for example, that kids who use social media for a half hour, it's, it's really, it, it, it can be kind of neutral or not so bad. They use it more than a half hour. It very high uh, correlations with, with depression, with anxiety, and it looks like it actually may be causative of anxiety. And the, the two main concerns are, are, are excessive gaming, in, particularly in boys, and, and social media in, in girls. And in our book, we mentioned this letter that was written, uh, it was signed actually by 200 psychologists to the president of the American Psychological Association, asking the president to censure psychologists who are working in Silicon Valley knowingly using behavioral techniques to make these games and, and these products as, as addictive as possible for children and teenagers. So we, this is kind of what we're up against. Wow. And um, what, what, we, what, we, what we suggest in our book, Steve, is that parents... Uh, especially as kids get older, parents change the goal from just regulating, get off, get off that, get off that, stop, put that away. Why are you on that stupid stuff? Uh, to under, try to understand what kids, we always start with empathy, try to understand what kids are getting out of it. And I, I can see why we like that so much. And then we can negotiate healthy use. And God knows most of the adults that I know have, have trouble turning off their phone or get, getting off from the computer or getting off social media. And it's, we suggest making, making healthy use of technology a family goal. We're all working on this together. And we can really influence our kids best in terms of the use of technology if, 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 if we aren't just saying no, 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 no. If we really try to understand, play, play video games with them. Try to, try to join them in social media. See what they're doing and let them know, I can see why you like this so much. When we treat them respectfully like that, we're much better able to help them figure out uh, healthy use. Cause it's not lost on kids that they're using too much. And, and I'm guessing, and I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here that a parent, a mother, a father, or whoever uh, 
that is constantly on their phone is noticed by the child. Oh my God. Yeah, we, we refer to, uh, in our first book, we, we refer to a study that was done in England where 70% uh, or 60% of parents thought their kids had, were, had too much screen time. 70% of kids thought, thought their parents did. And huh. so, so often that, that, that kids tell me and tell Ned that you know, I, I try to get my parents' attention when I'm upset about something, but they, they got, they're trying to listen while they're on their phone. And, um, and I think that the key really is that, that respectful listening, and as I said earlier, expression of empathy and validation, which you can't do, you, you can't multitask while you're doing that. The, the pandemic, and you alluded to it just a, a minute ago, uh, put a, a lot of us in front of screens even more right. than, than perhaps we were already doing. Certainly kids that were doing remote learning uh, face that. Right. Is, is that a... I, I, maybe it's too soon to say because the, the jury's still out. I, I don't know. But uh, what, what impact has that had on the things that you notice, uh, stress and the communications and all the, the, the whole problem with, with the parent and child uh, communication thing? Is, is that, did the pandemic hurt that further? I mean, or what's your thought on that? Maybe it's, again, the research probably hasn't been done. I don't know. Well, you know, the, the, uh, I, I think in generally, you know, kids and teenagers and their parents are, are more stressed. Parents are, are reporting symptoms of burnout more than, than they did before the pandemic. And it's hard to sort out because if, if dad loses a job, that, mm-hmm. that, that affects the, the, the communication between kids as well as the stress of the kids. So it's, it's hard to sort out. And I will say, Steve, that, that a lot of the kids that I work with who have social anxiety or they have social problems or they're, they're very, they feel embarrassed easily. Not, not being in class for six hours a day has been a godsend for them. They're much less stressed and much less anxious. And there are a lot of them are dreading them back to school. And for kids, for kids who can't stand vir- virtual learning, kids who just can't pay attention on Zoom, they've got to completely tune out the Zoom, kids who go to school because I want to see my friends, that, that's, that's been hell for them. Uh, so it's it's a very very mixed bag, right? Um, uh, but but in general, we're, we're seeing more stress and, and, and more anxiety, and, and and interestingly enough, more loneliness. And the lo- these things, stress, anxiety, and loneliness, were increasing dramatically before the the the, the, the uh, pandemic, which is just kind of worsened these things. Right. Yeah. Well, one could see that. Um, the 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 matter of of communicating with your child. I'm thinking. You know, because I'm thinking parents are listening to this and thinking, well, my child's three or my child's 13 or, you know, at what point, you know, and obviously I I guess it just totally depends on what the issues are. But when do you start talking to your child? I mean, when they're when they're one year old, I mean, you know, how do how do you work that sort of through the 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 ages? Yeah, because uh, I'm I'm guessing, you know, teenagers. Yeah. okay, that's that's kind of historically a, a challenge. But you know, when they're very young, can can you address that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so um, um, let's say that you got a three-year-old. Your three-year-old says, "I'm I'm hungry," and a common response: "How could you be hungry? You just had lunch two hours ago." <laughs> you know, and we're, we're kind of talking about you talking about this basic feeling in their stomach. You know, and where we we can say. Well, what would you like? You know, is, is another way to respond that that doesn't invalidate their feelings. And the, this idea of validating, meaning I don't necessarily agree with your feelings, or I don't condone the way you're acting, but but I can understand 
why you feel that way. And it's not wrong for you to feel that way. And, and I think that, that, that we, can, we can give that expression. And we, we, when, when kids are upset, we can say, we can say you know, I, I, what, I, what I get is from what you're telling me is, is that was really frustrating. Or, or for two-year-olds, you say, that makes you really mad. Where we're just letting them know, I understand. I mean, that just kind of seek to understand before we judge. And we can do this from the time that kids are pretty little. And what, one of the things that in both books we, we, we suggest um, is, is, is encouraging kids to make their own decisions. And so one of, one of the messages that we love to give the little kids is you're the expert on you. You got a three-year-old and I, I think the three-year-old you say, nobody knows when you're full and hungry better than you do. So, so eat, eat until you're full and then stop. When you're hungry, let, eat, eat again. And I think that, that that message that you're the expert on you is something we can give to, to, to you know, two, two and three or four-year-olds. You know, as I listen to it, we're talking with uh, William Stixer, the co-author uh, of a, how to, you know, how to talk to kids and uh, the, 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 the sort of, what do you say is, is the name of the book. Um, the, 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 the sort of the sense I'm getting is, you know, all the things you just mentioned or have been mentioning apply to conversation with your older child. In other words, adult child who you may, you know, be talking with, you know, why don't you do this? Why don't you get another job or blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, cause we'd seem, and, and you tell me, um, we seem to retain that parental part, even when both are adults and, well, I, you know, I, how does that work? <laughs> but, I, I think it's, and we, we do with our spouses. We, and, yeah. and, uh, and I, that this technique of kind of reflective of, of letting people, I'm trying to understand what, what your experience is. It, it, it's a very popular technique in marriage therapy. I mean, that, that because that, 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 that people say that, that, that children listen better when they feel heard. And I think that's probably true for, for adult children. I, I have two children in, in their 30s. And certainly, they don't love me telling them what to do. They, 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 if they're mad about something, they, 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 it doesn't help them. They say, I don't know why you're so mad about that. It, it really helps if I listen respectfully, try to understand, and then say, well, you know, I, I got a little different angle. Can I, can I run it by you? We have this kind of respectful we don't try to, we don't tell them what to do. We don't try to force our advice down their throats. We don't try to force help on them. Uh, we encourage their decision-making. And ideally, we, we, we let kids solve their own problems. And, and, and part of the, this book is about when kids have problems, how do we help them in a way that, that, that the kids basically learn how to solve their own problem and, and, don't, and, and not, to, not to look to somebody else or not swat away all the suggestions that, that, that helpful suggestions that, that people make. Um, so I, I think it, 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 the, the stuff we teach in this book really does apply to children throughout, throughout the, the lifespan and, and, and also to other relationships. And I'll just mention, Steve, that if things go well, we're gonna have a longer relationship with our children as adults than we did when they were kids. Right. And so the, the, which is why I think we want to, and, and I just read that um, at least 27% of adults are estranged from at least one of their parents. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, more than a quarter. Wow. More, yeah. More, at least, at least 27% and 40% have been estranged from a parent at one point. And you think, holy moly, what's going on here? And, and I, I think the stuff in, in our book 
can really help parents develop that respectful, trusting relationship with kids where kids are upset about something, they're gonna to come to you. They're gonna to come to you for help and support as opposed to go to their friends or, or and it's not like parents have to be the only resource. It's great to have an uncle or a coach or somebody that the kids can confide in. But when we asked, we interviewed dozens of older children and teenagers in writing this book and just asked them, who do you feel closest to? And, and oftentimes, occasionally, it, it, sometimes the parent, but more often it was, it was a cousin, an, old, an uncle, a, a teacher, a coach. And we say, what, what, may, what about that relationship makes you feel close to that person? And invariably, Steve, the kids said, it's because they listen to me without judging and they don't tell me what to do. Um, so um, uh, it's, it sounds like the, another uh, factor for parents to keep in mind is sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and, and not say anything. Right. right. I mean, well, in other words, just <laughs> don't don't pop off like you want to, because, you know, I mean, it's just uh, so it's a lesson for, for older people to keep in mind, not just the kids. It's, it's a it's a great point, Stephen. And there's a chapter in our book. It's called The Language and Silence of Change. And it, the, the, the idea is that parents are always asking me and I always say, Ned, how do I motivate my kid? And what they're asking is how do I change, basically how to get my kid to change. And what we know from all the study of change is you can't change people. You can't, if, you, if, if people feel that you're trying to change them, what you get is resistance. Mm -hmm. and, and so what, what, what helped, what we talk about a couple of different uh, uh, programs or techniques for helping people change. And the first one really just involved this respectful listening. And, and when we listen respectfully and let kids know we're trying to understand, what happens is that if a kid, if, if a kid is, we've been trying to get a kid to work harder in school and the kids kind of isn't doing anything. And uh, if we just change that energy and, and we just, kids frustrated with something, we, we, just, we just reflect back. And then eventually, if we're talking to the kid about his schoolwork and, and we aren't telling them you need to work harder, the kid will say, you know, I, I'm kind of tired of getting these low grades. I probably ought to work harder. And they don't feel forced. They, they, say, they basically, that's not, it's not lost on kids who are underachieving that it might be some benefit to do better. But when they feel forced or they feel judged, they just cling to, to, to not working hard. And so we, we do talk about tech, that, that kind of listening, as you're saying, that, that listening part, that, that biting our lip at times and, and, uh, and, and not just saying the same thing over and over again, not, not, not speaking in an ill-advised way is something that helps us with little kids and with our adult children as well. well one last thing, we're talking with William Stickfood, who's uh, along with Ned Johnson has written, What Do You Say? and How to Communicate with Kids. Um, one of the, the items that you, you speak about around the country, uh, sleep deprivation, uh, yeah. which, which comes up a lot. And, uh, you know, I think with certainly with adults, maybe as they get older, it depends. But, you know, is that been have you noticed has that been worsened by the pandemic? I'm thinking of stress and whether you've lost a well, job, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's been a very mixed bag. And I think that there's probably socioeconomic uh, variables here that are very irrelevant, Steve, in the sense that a lot of kids, uh, because they don't have to get up and get to the bus by 6.30 or 7.30, you know, they'd be able to, to be better rested than they have been in years. Um, and if families, uh, there's been more disruption in families, as you said, somebody loses a job or that somebody dies from COVID, 
uh, right. that, that the whole family can have insomnia. So I, I think it's been a very mixed thing. And um, there, the, the American Psychological Association did, did a survey early in, fairly early in the pandemic and its stress levels were up, but 72% of the families said that, you know, I've, I've been able to spend more time with my kids than I have, you know, than I ever have before. And I think for, for, for many families, this pandemic has been a mixed bag. I mean, for right. some people, it obviously has been kind of a disaster, but for, for most families, it's been a mixed bag. And I think that certainly we, we do talk about the, the, the wisdom of focusing on the silver linings and, and, and focusing the things that, that haven't changed, focusing on the things that we have control over. Um, but certainly the, the, the insomnia, the sleep deprivation has been, really since the advent of the electric light has been a big problem. And for teenagers, uh, it, it's a huge, huge problem, uh, especially for, for really high achieving teenagers uh, who uh, um, tend to, even, even in high school students, get four to six hours of sleep a night. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, very good. Well, we've been talking with William Sixer, the co-author of What Do You Say, along with Ned Johnson. And uh, William, thank you so much for your time today. Um, we'll uh, we'll try to apply what you're <laughs> you're mentioning, and um, I, I keep thinking of that library game. So it's something to keep in <laughs> mind for uh, when you, when you get caught, folks, so uh, that you can fall back on that one. Because that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah appreciate yeah. it. Okay, that's nice to talk to you. Thank you. Bye bye okay. now. Bye.